Did you know that the New York Times wrote an article yesterday where they talked about an alternative to medication, an alternative treatment for insomnia other than medication? Well, if you if you you know if you're curious about hearing more about this, then you know you come to the right place. This is Heard Online, in, in which we uh, look at uh, you know uh, articles and uh, other material posted online about insomnia and. Um, Today's, uh, the reason I picked this for today was that two people actually told me about this article. So I thought there's probably more, many people who have seen it. So we'll take a look at it. But before we do, uh, you may have noted if you were here yesterday, a new book behind me, Letters to the NATO Nation. Uh, this is actually a compilation of you know, one year's worth of newsletters that I published as a book very recently. It is on Amazon. And uh, it, you know it has a, a, lot of, a lot of nice topics, for example, we talk here about the North Star, you know, understanding everything on a logical level, but how do we, how do you translate that in a practical way? And, uh, you know, other questions like, doesn't everyone who go to bed intend to sleep? That's another topic uh, in the book, one another chapter. So yeah, if, if you're interested, it's on Amazon. It's sort of the continuation of yeah, This Is Natto. So anyways, I wanted to share that. And with that said, um, let's jump in and take a look at the art. this article from yesterday's uh, New York Times, and the the uh, headline reads: "Can't sleep?" Question mark. Try this proven alternative to medication, and the uh, the um, you know the the section right below that actually gives it away right away. Cognitive behavioral therapy, it cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is considered the most effective treatment for people who continually struggle to fall or stay asleep. So basically, New York Times is just educating people about CBTI, and this article itself, it, it, there isn't that much in this article to like juicy stuff for us to really, you know, learn from and talk about. But I don't know about you, uh, myself, I find there's a lot of things we can learn from the comments. So I'll just say that this is sort of a, you know, just, just a review of, of CBTI and tells you a little bit about what it includes. Interestingly, as, as some of the people in the comments said, it sounds sort of like in this article, like CBTI is more or less like sleep hygiene that you talk about, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, your, your bedroom environment and getting off screens and these usual things we hear. They talk a little bit about stimulus control, but not sleep restriction, which many people consider the cornerstone of, of CBTI, which was a little bit interesting. But anyway, it's sort of just a, an overall review of CBTI. And with that said, let's jump into the comment section. And I want to share with you, uh, you know what I, how I read these comments, and what I think we can learn from the comments. So uh, I, there are three. There were three comments that the New York Times replied to. So I thought we could look at those. And the first one is from M, uh, from San Francisco, and it was posted the same day as the article yesterday, August twenty-eight. M writes, "You know what else causes insomnia? Question mark. Perimenopause and menopause, and CBT doesn't touch it." After years of being told overtly and covertly by doctors that it was all in my head and that I just needed to de-stress or see a psychiatrist, I finally demanded to be put on hormone replacement therapy. Voila, sleep is just gone. Thanks, New York Times, for the piece back in January about HRT's safety. You saved my sanity and my sleep. That was from M. And uh, first of all, of course, I want to say that when I, the first thing that, that, you know, that I, the, the way I react when I see this comment is, of course, 
a great sense of relief and I'm so happy for Em for whom this, this struggle is no longer part of, of you know, her life. Uh, but that said, I think there, there is there's more to the story here to me when I read this than simply uh, someone who had uh, problem sleeping due to hormones, was put on hormone therapy after, you know, figuring out themselves that that was needed and then sleeping well. To me, what M says initially that, um, you know, the New York Times has overlooked that perimenopause and menopause can cause insomnia the way I define insomnia, the way, the way I think of it. I don't think that's actually true. I think that menopause and perimenopause is all but guaranteed to cause a lot of sleep disruption. We look at studies, or at least this is one study I can recall, where uh, a women, uh, menopausal women were asked if they had a problem sleeping. It was like 98, 99%, pretty much 100% said yes. But only about 30% said that they considered themselves, themselves having a sleep problem. And I think that that is where insomnia actually comes from. The sleep disruption is a normal part, an expected part of menopause and perimenopause, which I'm sure can be quite intense. It can be you know, quite disruptive of being like completely soaked with these hot flashes, etc. But it is when someone thinks this is this should not be happening. This is I have a problem with sleep. This is beyond what is you know expected. It, that's when this you know fear of of not sleeping can start to happen, and then we can end up in this uh, you know this loop of effort, like trying to control sleep, and and then having more trouble sleeping, etc. So that so to me, it is the reaction to the sleep disruption that can create insomnia rather than the the um the hot flashes themselves now if somebody who hears me say that may say like so what's there to how can you make that case because when m started hrts voila the sleep problems just you know just were gone isn't that proof that this was a purely hormonal uh, uh this was just purely hormonal insomnia let's call it because the, the HRTs worked, you know, it's fixed everything right away. To me, it's, it is very, very likely that hormone replacement did lead to a decrease in the sleep disruption that came from, from hormones. But there's what can also happen, and which can, in a way, quote-unquote cure insomnia instantly, is delegation. And so someone like M may very well have spent years trying to fix their sleep issue, maybe going through, you know, trying sleep hygiene, maybe trying, you know, supplements. Uh, we don't know, but putting a lot of effort into sleep, which actually maintained some insomnia in addition to sleep disruption, right? But the moment uh, M is put on HRT and thinks, this is it, this, this will take care of all my, all my sleep issues, what happens in that moment, the presumed work of producing sleep or controlling sleep or managing sleep is gone because it's been delegated to the HRTs. And when we're no longer trying to sleep, when there's no effort, then there's no insomnia. And then, then, then uh, sleep happens by itself. Now, for someone like M, it doesn't matter. Like what I just talked about doesn't matter at all. To me, I think it can matter because to me, someone who has had insomnia and doesn't understand how they left the struggle for that person there is 
a bit of a risk that um, you know the, the, that they go back to having a struggle again. So someone like M, you know, the HRTs may voila, you know, led to uh, her sleeping really well. But then there's, you know, something else happens in love, so something else related to health maybe, and there's some sleep disruption. And now M is in this mindset of like, oh, I have to find the equivalent of HRT. I have to find something to make sure I sleep. Not understanding that it was the delegation, the lack of effort that helped the first time. So I think when we don't understand why we left the struggle, there is a risk that we end up in a struggle again. And that's why I think we, you know, it's helpful to learn things like we just learned from this comment, right? So with that said, let's jump back in and see um, what uh, the New York Times responded. So Christina Karen, the author of the article responded uh, saying, I'm sorry to hear that you're told to simply de-stress when you're having difficulty sleeping. It's great you found a solution. And, uh, also says, she also wrote, for anyone interested, here are the clinical recommendations for sleep disturbances from the North American Menopause Society, which I, I think this was interesting that the American Menopause Society specifically calls it clinical recommendations for sleep disturbances. I, to me, this makes a lot of sense uh, because of what we just uh, talked about. Sleep disturbances definitely come from perimenopause, menopausal changes, not insomnia. Uh, so with that said, let's jump to the next one. Linda. Also, yes, they wrote the following, wondering what, quote unquote, a quiet activity in dim lighting that doesn't involve electronics would be. I don't know if this is tongue in cheek or, or Linda's just wondering, but what we learned from this is that in the article, uh, th there was a recommendation that, you know, when you uh, find yourself awake at night, you can just do a quiet activity in dim lighting that doesn't involve electronics. And then just wondering, like, what exactly is that? And um, not not much more, you know, I don't have really any comments on that, but let's read the response from the author, Christina Karen, again, who, who writes, Linda, good question. I followed up with Dr. Prather about this, and he said, my typical suggestions include things like reading and meditation-paced breathing, but really, it can be anything that is low arousal, that is somewhat enjoyable, but not so much that it is too engaging. Other things can be classic counting cheap activities. For example, my wife's grandfather always recited the periodic table. He was a chemist. To me, um, sort of a key phrase here is something that, you know, uh, it can be anything that is low arousal, that is somewhat enjoyable, but not so much that it is too engaging. And when we first hear this, it can sound like it makes sense. It's like, okay, it shouldn't be like super boring, but it shouldn't be fun either because then I get like aroused and then I can't sleep. So I have to, you know, I, 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 I know what to look for. But then when we think a little bit more deeply about this or, or, or ponder this, imagine that you are like frazzled, you're kind of scared, you're like wondering what to do. And somebody says, oh, you have to find this, which then sounds like I have to find that ideal, the perfect combination of like not too boring, not too engaging. What is that? And we're like, oh, I'm going to read this book. Oh, this is this is really boring, but it's not too boring. Okay, but then on page 32, it's like, oh, this is turning exciting. Oh, no, I have to turn this book away. Oh, I'm going to do this. And that. Like, I think this, this common recommendation out there that we should do something that is like not too stimulating, kind of boring, but not too boring is very tricky because it leads to us looking for some ideal 
ideal solution. You know, it leads into like problem solving and thinking that it's important that you find like the exact right thing to do, which then makes us think like, is this the right thing to do? Will this take care of it? Like it leads to more, more anxiety around sleep uh, when things are presented in this way, often I think. So uh, this is why, you know, we teach that, you know, follow the path of least resistance and, and also that if you do something or if you hear like, oh, you can do something that you just, just enjoy that you just feel like doing, like watch Netflix. And then you, 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 in your mind, you go like, oh, won't that make me more awake? To me, I always teach them that you're onto something. You're onto something really, really helpful, which is that there is a fear in the mind of being awake. And that fear of being awake is actually what creates insomnia. There's even more than, then there's even more of an invitation to do something we just enjoy, right? Because then we show the, the brain that it's okay if we're awake at night. There's nothing to be scared of. And, and then, uh, paradoxical as that might sound, we actually sleep easier. Um, so that was a little comment on that. And let's look at the third comment that the New York Times had replied to. It comes from Dale Newman from, uh, from Florida, uh, also posted yesterday. And Dale says, I struggled with insomnia for 30 years and then tried CBTI. The two hardest part for me were resetting my sleep cycle by staying up later, 10.30 compared to 9, and getting out of bed when I haven't gone back to sleep after 30 minutes. However, I stuck with it, and it has paid off handsomely. I now sleep normally and don't obsess over sleep like I used to. To anyone struggling with insomnia, this is your best bet. Stick with it. Work the program. And you'll never look back. P.S. And be sure to follow all, all caps, all the sleep hygiene guidelines, especially exercise. Nothing like solid exercise to help get a good night's sleep. All right. So uh, the key phrase here for me is actually this one. Don't obsess over sleep like I used to. But, you know, with that said, I, I just kind of said that out loud to, to remind myself of that phrase. You know. When I read this, I'm again, first of all, really happy for Dale. Like anyone who's finding sleep having easier, uh, that, that's a nice thing. That's a beautiful thing, wonderful thing. Super happy. But I think there's something tricky here too. And I think it's actually very similar to what we heard from M. I, I think to, to me, there's an element here of delegation. So to me, the most fundamental truth when it comes to sleep is that peaceful sleep is effortless. Sleep in itself will always happen. It will happen to all of us just by, you know, by virtue of biology. Like eventually we haven't slept for, for, for a period of time. Our sleep drive, our kind of body's need for sleep will be so strong that sleep, sleep will happen. It will happen to all of us sooner or later, even we're, if we're really, really anxious, stressed or whatnot. But peaceful sleep, you know, sleeping without struggle, waking up, uh, you know, and just having slept, you know, peaceful sleep like that to me is always effortless. It always comes from a place where, where there was there was no effort. We weren't trying to sleep. All right. And now with that in mind, uh, how can we explain Dale's experience? To me, it is someone who had insomnia for a long time, but committed to a program and believed in the program, had this belief that if I just stay up later, if I get up, if I don't sleep, if I follow this program, that will take care of sleep for me. And there we have it again. When we think that me doing this will take care of sleep for me, that leads to effortlessness. We delegate the presumed work of sleeping to something like hormone replacement therapy, like we talked about with M, 
or in Dale's case, in Dale's case, to a set of routines. And when we've delegated the present work, effortless happens, and you know, sleep just happens by itself. And you know, and why I wanted to point this out is that it can be so confusing when people hear. Oh, CBTI is the gold standard. It's like 80% uh, success rate. Or you hear somebody like they'll saying like it's swore by it, like it, it worked for me. Well, it wasn't the like staying up later or getting out of bed after 30 minutes. Th that's not what works. It's the it's the delegation, it's the effortlessness, it's the not obsessing about sleep anymore, like giving sleepless attention, trying less to sleep. That is what actually helps. But when we don't understand that, then we think like, oh, Dale said, I have to keep doing this. I have to like push myself. I have to do this. Well, guess what? Then we end up, you know, th this whole thing end up, ends up being one big sleep effort. We try to do the exercise, which all the sleep hygiene things to achieve sleep, then we're anything but effortless. We're actually deploying a lot of effort. So again, to me, there's a, there's a, the a great teaching point here is that if we haven't understood why we left the struggle, it, it, things can be tricky because we can end up there ourselves again, or we can, you know, we can tell other people things that that actually make them have more of a struggle. You know, so understanding, uh, or I like to say this if to, to to people who are you know training to become sleep coaches that if if your if your client or your student hasn't understood why they left insomnia, they may not have left it entirely. You know, so it's very helpful to understand. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know. We, you know, why we really left the struggle. So with that said, uh, thanks to everyone who stayed stayed up until this point of the video. You know, thanks so much for staying with me. I hope you learned uh, something. And I have a little bonus for you. I have a, one more comment, actually, that I, I, was, I really wanted to show you. And uh, it is actually partly because of this, this comment that we're doing this Heart Online today. So we're going to, uh, you know, I shifted here. So we're looking at all comments now. And I remind myself that we're going to go down to about midway. And here it is. Seven hours ago Del from Delaware, Judith left a comment and said, people, listen, do you know what insomnia is? It is fear, fear of falling asleep or not falling asleep, one or the other. The brain has to be educated slowly and carefully to get out of that fear. For most, CBTI does not work and can sometimes make insomnia worse. Since about 2019, Dr. Dan Larson has been doing cutting edge work on the air of insomnia. He can be found on YouTube only and you talks about how to how to find our channel etc so uh it's really really nice super super nice and uh, what happened was you actually sent uh, a, an email and said that she was trying to to post this comment or she was going to and it, it wasn't posted and she modified it but finally it was posted there and so this is one of the persons who told me about this article the other one was actually a neighbor who, who just texted me like hey daniel you should have been quoted in this article and then i actually sent a screenshot of judith's comment to my neighbor and saying like yeah they didn't quote me but i was mentioned in the comment section so anyways that just thanks so much judith for like helping share share our message and uh, hopefully uh, more people will, will find something that will that will be really helpful for them. Um, so yeah, that was it for today's Heard, Heard Online. Uh, as always, let me know in the comment section what you thought, uh, any, any thoughts that came up here, and we shall go from there. That was all for today. Bye for now.